What's the first thing you need to do if you want to take a vacation? It's not buy the plane tickets or map out your routes on the GPS. It's not to book your hotels or even pack. The first thing you have to decide is where you're going to go, right? <laughs> Without a destination in mind, you don't know where to book those tickets to or where to get the hotels for or even what to pack. You need to have a destination in mind first. So what's our destination? And I'm not suggesting, as fun as it would be, I'm not suggesting a big church family vacation somewhere, but what is our destination? Where are we going? What are we doing here? What's the goal of all of this? Why does God have us here at this time in this place? Where should we be going? What should be our focus? Now, you might come back with the answers to all those questions. Well, that's all in God's hands, isn't it? God is the one who, who works through us. God is the one whose word is powerful, and his, his work is going to be done with us or without us, right? Because his word is powerful and effective, we don't have to worry about all that stuff. Okay. I'll agree with you, to a point, that God's word is powerful and it is effective and God's work is going to be done with us or without us, but God chooses to use people to do his work. God entrusts the gospel to us. God gives means of grace, the word and sacrament, to people that are meant to share with other people. And so while on the one hand we do say, yes, God's word is effective and powerful, and God's work is going to be done with us or without us, the fact is, God chooses to use us to do his work. And so I go back to those questions. What are we doing here? Why are we here at 421 East Ray Road in Gilbert, Arizona, in the United States of America, in the year 2020? Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? What's our destination? What would God have us do? These types of questions are getting at what we call a vision. And what I, what I mean by vision is not that God came to me last night in this dream and he gave me this vision about what we were supposed to do as a church. No. <laughs> we have no promise of God doing that outside of his word and, and giving us any guidance. I'm not talking about some sort of divine revelation. And this is, you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible, Heritage Lutheran Church, you know, should, should carry out these ministries and do these things and go these places. What I mean by a vision is determining what our destination is. What's the goal? What is our purpose for existing? Why are we here? To put some flesh on the bones of what a vision is, listen to these examples of, of some vision statements of companies that you know, businesses you know. Disney's vision statement is to make people happy. Well, you can see that, right? <laughs> uh, Microsoft's vision is 
to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Sony's vision statement is to be a company that inspires and fulfills your curiosity. Facebook's vision is to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. So you get the point of what a vision is, right? It's kind of your destination. This is who we are. This is where, what we want to be. This is what we're going to achieve. It's not the plan and how to get there, but it's the destination you have in mind, where you want to go. But what makes us different than businesses like this? is one really, really big thing. <laughs> because while Disney's vision might be to make you happy, and while Sony might be there to say, we want to fulfill your curiosity, let's all be real. Their goal is to make money, <laughs> right? Their goal is to be better than their competitors. Their goal is to achieve status and honor and recognition in the eyes of the world. And that is not the church. Because the church is not a business. The church is not here to make money. The church is here to make disciples of all nations. The church is not here to gain recognition and honor. It's to give God honor and recognition and glory. And so while our vision might be a little different than the rest of the world's idea of a vision, the fact is, and the truth is, we still have to have some sort of destination in mind, don't we? To figure out what we're doing and why we're doing it and where we're going. And that's hard work. It, it, it makes you look introspectively and, and maybe and look at things we have to repent of. Things that we've neglected. Things that we've been afraid of. It's hard work to begin to plan to decide what the destination is and how you're going to get there. But even before you start asking those questions and you dig into what that really means and what that looks like, there's something we can't skip over. Because before we can ask the questions what and how and when and where and who, we need to ask the question, the all-important question, why? Why is this important? Why should we do this? Why shouldn't we just continue with status quo and just floating as normal? Why should we take the time and the hard work to do this? Why do we want to make disciples of all nations? Why do we desire to give God glory and honor and recognition in everything that we do? I don't know if you're like me, but um, when I pick up a new book, and I love books, I, I find books all the time, and I've got a, a stack like this in my office that I haven't touched yet, but I will get to them, I, I know I will. But, but when I pick up a new book, I really like to just get into it. So usually I feel I don't have any time for the introduction. Right, if you don't put an actual page number on it, right, if you gotta put a Roman numeral on it, it's not worth my time, right? If it's that important, put it in the book, right? But, with that being said, <laughs> Introductions to books do serve an important purpose because they, they kind of get you into the mind of the author, don't they? They tell you, this is why I'm writing this book. 
This is uh, you know, kind of the context of where the idea came from or, or, or my experience or, or, or just kind of gives you the scope of what you're about to read. So that introduction is pretty important to understand what you're about to read. And so, friends, I want you to consider this sermon today as an introduction to what we're going to unpack and unfold in the rest of this sermon series. Because we need some context. We need to get in the mind of the author. We need to, we need to have some sort of starting point to know why we should go through this work of setting a destination and figuring out how to get there. And so we're going to take a look in this sermon series at selected readings from 1 Peter. All four sermons are going to be from the book of 1 Peter. And today we're just going to take the first five verses. That was our second lesson that we read. It's printed out for you in the service folder if you want to open that up. I'm going to read those in just a little bit. But what you're going to see is God had a vision too. That God had a destination in mind. That God knew there's something I'm going to get done. And he made a plan to carry that out. And God's vision is full of grace. And this is what God's vision is. God's vision was to claim you as his from eternity, right now, and into eternity. Listen to that again. God's vision, full of grace for you, for every one of you, is that God longed to claim you as his from eternity, right now in this life, and to eternity. Listen again to these opening words from 1 Peter chapter 1, and just hear this vision full of grace unfolded before you. Peter identifies himself as the writer of this letter. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Dear friends, God's vision full of grace for you is that he would claim you to be his own from eternity right now and into eternity. You are God's elect, Peter writes under inspiration of the Spirit. God has chosen you, he says, the foreknowledge of the Father. You know what that means? Do you grasp, can you grasp what that means? That before the creation of the world, before time even began, God said, you're mine. You belong to me. Think about that. That God claimed you as his own from eternity. That you are not an afterthought to God. That never once did God vacillate on if he should save you or not. That God didn't say, well, I'll create them and see how they do, and maybe I'll save them, maybe I won't. 
But from eternity, he said, you are my son. You are my daughter. You will be part of my family. Friends, God's vision full of grace was to make you his from eternity. But that wasn't quite enough. Because it wasn't just enough to choose you from eternity, but God himself had to enter into time, enter into his created world. He had to himself take on flesh so that he could do what we cannot. So that he could take those ten commandments and say, you shall have no other gods? Check. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God in vain? Check. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Check. And down the line, check, check, check. That Savior that God sent, the Son of God in human flesh, your Savior, your substitute, lived perfectly under that law for you. And then, on top of that, went to suffer hell for you on that cross so that you could be sprinkled with that bloodshed there and be washed clean to be declared righteous and holy in the sight of your heavenly Father. Because you could not rely on a righteousness of your own, but you are given righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, so that you might be a child of your heavenly Father. And that as Peter writes, he brought you to faith in all of this through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that the, sanct that the, the Spirit came and he sanctified you through the means of grace as that water was poured on your head when maybe you were just an infant and those words were spoken, you are baptized into the name of the triune God. Right? Or as you heard that message of the gospel from a friend or from a pastor, that Holy Spirit was sanctifying you and bringing you to faith to hold on to what Christ did for you, to know that when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, that was yours personally. That forgiveness, that victory is yours and even more than that, your God loves you so much and he has his vision so full of grace for you that he didn't just save you and say, now you're on your own, but he continues to come to you through the means of grace. He continues to come to you in the gospel and word and sacrament to strengthen you when you are weak, to comfort you when you are afraid, to give you hope when you feel hopeless, to forgive your sins when you confess them. God's vision full of grace was to bring you to faith and to keep you in faith to make you his right now through this life and to hold you as his through this life. And even more than that, that Peter writes that you can praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because in his mercy, he's given you new birth into a living hope, a confidence that this is not all that God has for you. That you have an inheritance. An inheritance that is indestructible. That cannot perish, that cannot spoil, that cannot fade. It is kept safe in heaven for you. That crown of life that Jesus won for you, it's yours. It's waiting for you. It's as good as yours right now. Heaven is as good as yours. And Peter writes that until you get it, until you reach that, that goal of your faith, until you have that crown of life, God shields you with his power. That that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power from which he created everything and sustains this universe, 
That power shields you from sin and from doubts and from fears and from the, 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 uh, from the temptations of your enemy, Satan. That, that power shields you to hold you safe and close until you are in that heavenly home. That promise that because Jesus rose from the dead that you too have life forever with him. God had a vision full of grace to make you his for eternity. Friends, just marvel at that with me this morning. This vision full of grace that he chose you, nothing to do with you, but all because of his love and mercy. That he gives you the gift of faith to believe all this through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That he carried out that work of your salvation that you don't have to make yourself right before God because Christ did it for you. And that there is the joys of heaven waiting for you. It's a promise that cannot be taken from you. It's all grace from beginning to end. All by his doing. All through Christ. All grace. And friends, with that knowledge... With that truth that we are so blessed to know and to have in our hearts. It's time for us to get to work. It's time for us to set a vision. A vision full of God's grace. A vision that desires to know this grace more and more and more. To hold on to this grace. To grow in this grace and this knowledge of what God has done for us through Jesus from eternity into eternity. A vision full of grace that longs to live together in this grace. That we get to encourage each other, that we get to love one another and support one another and build each other up and care for each other in the grace of God. And that we have the precious privilege to go and to share this grace. This grace is not just meant for the few of us here but for a whole world that we can share this amazing grace with God with absolutely everybody. The people in your home, the people at your workplace, the people in your neighborhood, the people of the city, and throughout the entire world. Friends, God has shown us this amazing grace. And now it's our turn. It's our turn to grow in it and to live in it, and to share in it, and to share it with others, so that more might know a vision full of grace for us, all so that his church might be built, his church might be strengthened, and so that God might be given glory. May God give us strength and wisdom and his power as we proclaim his grace to the world.